welcome to episode 6 of our weekly Mouth of the Time podcast. I'm your host, Liam Kennedy, and join me today to talk all things black and white are Miles Starforth, the Shields Gazette and JPR Media's NUFC writer, as ever. And we're also joined today by another guest. Um, we've got Northeast non-league aficionado Mark Carruthers in um, to talk a little bit about the impact of uh, the coronavirus on uh, football and community beyond the Premier League and our normal bounds. So on the agenda today, talk a little bit about takeover fatigue. We've all got it. Um, takeover planning. Um, there's been some reports about certain key figures, managerial and beyond, um, who've been sounded out. We'll talk a little bit about that with Miles. Um, and then later in the show, as I said, we'll be speaking about the impact of this crisis on the wider football and community. So, Miles, takeover fatigue, I just said there, we've all we've all kind of got it. I think if this... Uh, if this had to come out now, I think everyone would be really excited. My over overarching feeling at the moment is is one of just it'll be relief when an update finally comes. That obviously we see that the joint statement that is going to happen between PIF, the Rubens, and Newcastle United uh, when the, the deal is finally announced. What's your thoughts on it? Anything the update on, on what's been happening in the last few weeks? Well, sadly, the update is there's there's no update really, which is feeds into that takeover fatigue. We've been waiting for a number of weeks now. We I think we all accepted at the start of the process it was going to take at least two, two possibly three weeks, and now we're we're well past that. Obviously, it's complicated by a number of factors. There's been the well, most kind of pertinently the piracy issue, um, which of course the Premier League's had to examine. There's been the amnesty. Um, uh, objection to and of course running parallel to that is the, the project restart the the fact that we haven't seen a Premier League game for for more than two months now and the Premier League's obviously priority is to get to get the league back up and running as and you know it if it's safe uh, next month so uh, I'm, I'm fatigued and obviously um, I guess we all are and, and, and fans fans even more so they're just waiting for news on a daily basis they've been told oh it could be this week it could be tomorrow it could be the next day and of course, when when the next day comes, there's, there's there's no news. So we're all just waiting, and that's what we could, we we've got to do. This this will take as long as it takes. Um, I'm afraid. Miles, do you feel with the developments this week? Obviously, we've seen players going back, which we'll come onto a little bit later. But with with those developments taking place, phase one, etc., do you feel like the takeover might start ramping up? The the Premier League there may be more on the agenda for the Premier League, whereas it might have been a footnote in meetings recently. I don't know if there'd be any change of pace, really. Um, even though the trainings restarted across the country, I don't think that means the Premier League's got any more time necessarily to devote to this process. Um, I don't. I'd imagine the bulk of this process has been completed for some time, and it's just a case of the final one or two issues, um, which you know there'd be. I'd imagine teams of lawyers working on, where, whereas. Um, other people will be dealing with the kind of nitty gritty of these kind of protocols, which we've um, read so much about in terms of the, the return to the first phase of of training. Um, you know, it, it, it could be days away, it could be longer. We just don't know. And as a few people have pointed out, it, it'll it'll just take as long as it takes, and we've just got to wait for it to, to play out. Mark, welcome to the the podcast. Your first uh, first appearance on this one. Um, I'll bring you in. It's uh, it's tiresome, isn't it? It's kind of at the point where. Everybody sort of in and around the northeast football scene just wants this done. Yeah, I think, you know, when you think how long it is since the interest was first mentioned in the media, 
right up to now and there's been so many false dawns obviously people are skeptical of when it's going to happen if it's going to happen um it has it's become tiresome probably doesn't help when you get everyone trying to predict when it's going to happen uh i think it's going to be one of those where it'll happen when it happens you, you'll wake up one morning and it'll be announced um the premier league obviously have had a lot of other priorities um with as as miles said with project restart and and everything else going on so hopefully it happens sooner rather than later whether it's a, a positive response or not but um it's it's just it is so frustrating it's it's borderline annoying now as well that it's just been on the horizon for so long and, and not happening so fingers crossed it happens soon because obviously everyone wants to see a, a bright and ambitious Newcastle United that hasn't been drained of life as it, as it has been a little bit over the last uh, you know last 12 13 years and one where fans can get excited about going to games again media can get excited about reporting on games again um but just either way it'd be nice to know what's happening one, one, one thing to note, of course, now we're coming to the towards the end of Ramadan, which is something we've mentioned um, uh, on a number of podcasts. This this whole process has kind of spanned spanned Ramadan, and that's that's ending in a few days. And I wonder if uh, the, essentially the timing may be down to to if well, we're assuming here it's going to get given the go ahead, and that's just an assumption um, based on what, what what a number of people have have, have told us all. Um, whether that 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 the timing now will will uh, align with the the end of that, uh, um, that uh, what would what would your thoughts be on that, Liam? I think um, it was it's bizarre. I think back we t- we did talk a lot about in, this in the early podcasts was the idea would this hold the the process up? And we were told at the time that business it was basically going to be business as usual due to the coronavirus uh, outbreak in the Middle East um, and norm, business normally would slow down particularly in these weeks towards the end of Ramadan but um, sources in the Middle East have suggested that wasn't going to be the case this time because business generally had slowed down anyway so there wasn't going to be a massive change of pace but it kind of would align with the end of Ramadan an announcement because Eid obviously which is celebrated this weekend is a massive celebration in the Muslim calendar the end of fasting so it kind of would make sense if you were going to have an announcement to maybe align it with uh, the weekend celebrations. Because um, it, it, it ultimately, you've got to look at this um, from a Saudi perspective. This this is, although it's a small transaction with regards to PIF, um, media-wise and reputation-wise, this is seen as almost a jewel in the crown of their, of their um, idea of building a portfolio of uh, businesses. Um, because... The Premier League is so high profile. Obviously, there's a geopolitical situation with Qatar. They want to rival Qatar. There is absolutely no doubt about that. I'm pretty certain after having seen this play out in the media much, you won't see many transfers between PSG and Newcastle United should this go through. Um, so I think everybody talking about Kylian Mbappe and Neymar might well have to put those ones on ice until they probably go to Barcelona or Real Madrid in the future. But um, no, I do think it would make sense. But as things stand... My understanding is it's still with the Premier League, so they look they look like they're going to pass it. But then there hasn't really, if you look at the if you look at the uh, owners and directors test the uh, the laws set out within that uh, the regulations, there isn't really anything that I've seen to suggest this could be rejected. Whether it is or not, another thing. But I think the Premier League will be have to have to be taking an, an individual stance on this because the UK government have said. They do not want to get involved in this. They see it as a Premier League decision. To go against that almost would be quite unprecedented. But we can't understate the fact that this is the 
the biggest decision the Premier League have ever had to make on a takeover. Um, there's never been this kind of build-up. There's never been this kind of um, scrutiny. So they have to be seen to be doing the right thing, taking due process and, and the correct amount of time over things. And I think they have done. Um, ultimately, they're, they're putting together um, the legal checks on the next custodians of Newcastle United. So us as a fan base have to be happy that they've taken that time, even though it hasn't felt like it at times. But um, I think, as Miles said, this this almost certainly will be given the green light um, is the information that we've both had. Um, and I would think that's where I want to move the agenda on slightly and the planning. And there has been a lot of talk. Some people have taken some criticism on social media for talking about Newcastle will sign this player, that player, um, this manager will be coming in, that manager. To me, I think it would be naive for anybody to suggest or think that this kind of planning isn't taking place. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, guys, because I I think genuinely if you've got a transaction like this and a plan in place, you start and hit the ground running. You don't you don't turn up at St James's Park and say right, okay, who we're going to who we're going to appoint as manager and what players we're going to sign and a director of football. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. There'll be there'll be short short lists and kind of conversations um, about around a number of positions and and indeed the structure. Um, you know it. Various bits and bobs of information we've kind of gleaned and been given is that there will be there'll be significant changes. There'll be a structure put in place. There'll be a be a board put in place because again, as we've discussed before, that it's kind of it's a shell of a club in some some respects. A Husker club, there's not a board. Um, there's a there's a head of recruitment, but not a director of football. One one thing I heard, you know I heard obviously some you know, some weeks ago. Was uh, you know Steve Steve Nixon would most most likely uh, be be leaving the club post takeover. Um, that's obviously not been 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 confirmed and won't be confirmed um, until there's a takeover. But we, when you hear hear kind of well informed journalists kind of naming potential uh, sporting directors, um, they're probably not too far from the mark in terms of what the structure will 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 be for this club going forward. Um, uh, there's, there's been been some interesting stories, and 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 you'd imagine that would be the the direction it goes in in terms of the structure that's put in place. But as you said, the 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 prospective owners will will have shortlists, they'll have names, they'll have ideas, um, and and there'll be there've been a lot of work going going on on that front uh, over, over the past few weeks. You look at uh, the names mentioned. There's been a couple more today. Um, Leeds Lewis Campos. To me, that sounds like it's almost a. I know when um, Jose Mourinho was at Manchester United, the reports at the time were that he was the only director of football or transfer man effectively that he would work with. Um, so that kind of points towards him turning up at Spurs, I would think, potentially uh, following his exit at Lille. Um, obviously, there has been reports that Newcastle United are interested as well, and that will be some appointment given his uh, his impact in, in French football uh, and Portuguese football and beyond. Um, but there has been another couple of names mentioned today and, and uh, the peak interest, certainly, uh, Owen Brown and Frank McParland. And that almost, I'll come to you on this, Mark, but that almost, in some ways, should those be in the in the pipeline? That points only to one man. It's, it certainly does. You know, two of uh, Rafa's uh, most trusted uh, partners at Liverpool. And obviously, I, I just think... Uh, we're going to have to be prepared for Newcastle United to be used by agents to be 
to, to draw up interest in various figures, uh, you know, whether that's a, a director of football level or players or managers. Um, they will become the go-to club to, to wrap up interest in, in for agents. Um, that's something that will happen more and more once this takeover is done. But I think everything you're seeing is that the prospective buyers are looking at what the structure of the club's going to be. You hear the interest, and I think there's no smoke without fire when certain people are mentioned. Um, what it does show is that they've identified already how uh, stripped back the club has been. Uh, you know, Miles quite correctly said it's a bit of a shell of a club and that it's, it's run with a, a very streamlined structure. Uh, that needs to be clearly built up if they are going to achieve what everyone wants the club to achieve. And Things like directors of footballs, you know, the academy needs to be built up as well. Um, and, and we look at every single level of the club needs to be to be worked upon. The commercial side, for example, which has received a lot of criticism over the last few years. So I've got no doubt there will be some sort of talks taking place, whether that's with agents or directly. Um, and, and hopefully once or if this takeover is completed, we'll see, uh, see sort of a full Newcastle United structure. We've seen the players back. This week, um, there was reports uh, that, well, the Premier League put a statement out saying that uh, three clubs, seven tests were positive. Um, Newcastle United's players were uh, tested on, we saw in the pictures, were tested on Sunday and Monday, back in training on uh, Tuesday. Um, what's your thoughts on Project Restart? We've talked about the impact it might have on the takeover, but we haven't talked about the, the wider impact of, of Project Restart, the ethics of it, whether it's it should be done, whether it, it's safe to be done. And more importantly, also, I think mental health comes into this. I think of players and, and supporters and physical health as well. Is it, It's got to be paramount in this subject. Well, I've, I've said in previous podcasts, I'm in favour of football coming back if it's safe. And that's still a big if at this stage. Um, it would be great if it if it's safe enough to return, um, and and we've got we've got so far, which is they're they're back in this small small groups training. We've we've seen what's happening in Germany, so it's kind of baby steps. There's a there's a lot there's more questions than answers at the minute, but I, I, I'm in favour. Obviously, one thing I would say if the if if a player has got reservations and doesn't want to train, doesn't want to play, they shouldn't be demonised. They should. That everyone's circumstances are diff- different. We, we, you know, some will be living with, uh, you know, children with health conditions, uh, relatives, you know, parents. It's, it's everyone's different. Everyone, it, it's not a kind of black and white situation. So I think we've already seen some reaction to, to Danny Rose's comments. And bear in mind, Danny Rose is, is joined in the start of this process. Um, he's questioned it quite strongly a couple of times, uh, but as I say, he's back in training, and I, I've, I've seen the kind of on, online reaction to to his most recent comments, um, uh, and they were they were quite negative. Of course, health workers, NHS workers, key uh, all kinds of key workers are putting themselves in 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 kind of in danger day in day out. We should not forget that. Um, but uh, you know, I spoke to a solicitor last week, and and, and, it, and if any any walk of life, whether it's journalists, footballers, if you've got concerns about your health, you've got the law on your side um, in terms of not not going to work, um, and we've got to got to bear that in mind. But I'd be interested to to to, to hear what you, you what your thoughts are, Mark. I think from from my point of view, I've been quite 
quite forward in my thoughts on this that I just I don't feel football should be a priority at the moment. You know, when we've still got uh, hundreds of of people dying of this virus every day, football suddenly becomes irrelevant. Um, there was comments about it's good for the national morale and all that sort of thing. Well, I do get that, but as much as we all love football, we all love talking about it, watching about watching it, writing about it. It is just a sport. You know, it's it's one of those where I think. Um, it shouldn't be top of the list of priorities. And if it has to come back, then I think it has to be where there is, you know, an almost 100% uh, chance that it is safe for players to come back. It is safe for coaches to coach. Um, but it does look as if it's going to be back within, what, six weeks, should we say, uh, to a couple of months. Um, but I just find it hard to take that when we're, we're struggling with things, uh, you know, when the NHS have to deal with what they're dealing with, when people are still going to work and putting themselves at risk that footballers have to do the same. I think, as you say, the law's on their side and no one should be uh, vilified or demonised if if they don't feel it's safe to go back to playing and training. We've talked a lot about the impact of uh, coronavirus uh, on the top division, a little bit below as well. Um, it be interesting to see, hear your thoughts more on how this uh, virus the crisis we're currently finding ourselves in the midst of has had an impact on the wider football community in the northeast. Obviously, non-league football is your thing. You're right for our three titles, the Shield Gazette, Sunday Necro, Hartlepool Mail, on the non-league subject and others as well. Um, it 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 kind of if we find, think it's a struggle for the teams at the top, it seems like it's a lot more of a struggle for the teams down the bottom. Yeah, I think when you look at the main source of income for many clubs at that level is is, uh, you know, people come through the gates and watching games. Um, they've been stripped of that because of what's happened through no fault of their own. Um, so many clubs are having to look at alternative methods of, of bringing in income, whether that means trying to persuade existing commercial partners and sponsors to, to stay with them throughout this and, um, you know, commit to the club for the next seat for next season, whenever that gets underway. That's, that's a whole other conversation we can have. Um, it is difficult. Many have started crowdfunders um, to try and get some money in from from supporters. But I think with that, uh, a lot of clubs have shown um, their social conscience where they've had to think twice about starting crowdfunders because th- this is impacting the finances of everyone at every walk of life. So um, it is tough. And I think there are clubs that are, you know, they're living hand-to-mouth anyway, and this this hopefully won't push them over the edge, but it's certainly making it more difficult. Um, you look at... One, one thing that's really got me, and obviously being in the Shields Gazette area here, um, the sort of the decision that was imposed on clubs from steps three to seven of the non-league pyramid, so South Shields were directly impacted by this, um, in that their season was voided when they looked as if they were going to secure promotion into the National League North, but then... Uh, steps one and two, they're waiting to see what the EFL do, who in turn are waiting to see what the Premier League do. For me, um, and I speak a lot about integrity of the, the non-league pyramid and the, the football pyramid, the same decision should have been imposed on every level um, because I think that's that's made it quite difficult for for clubs in the Northern League, for clubs in the Northern Premier League. It's made it difficult for them to accept what's been imposed on them. Um, so there's been a number of impacts or a number of ways that coronavirus has impacted on clubs um, but it's a very challenging environment we still don't know when they'll get back to playing again, personally I don't think it'll be this year, I think we could be looking at, at January next year um, and with that you would say that the 
you know, 2020-21 season could be at risk. Is there a realistic prospect that a number of, um, we've got some of the most famous non-league clubs in the country in this area, is there a prospect that some of those could potentially go to the wall because of this? Yeah, I think there is a, a prospect that, that could happen. Um, if I'm honest, I don't think it will because I know a lot of them are putting in measures to, to protect themselves. But I look at things like um, Taolo Town, for example, you know, historic club, former amateur cup finalists and um, one of the well, most well-known clubs in the region, produced the likes of Chris Waddle, players like that. Um, they've just discovered a sinkhole at their ground, uh, which is a complication they didn't need. Um, so they've had the coal board out looking at, at how they can deal with that. Um, they have got very lucky in the sense that um, a, a guy who vlogs on, on YouTube uh, doing football manager content, he chose them as the club and he had over 120,000 subscribers. As a result, he's pushed their crowdfunding and they've raised £6,000 from that, which is um, which is amazing, but every club won't be that lucky. And, and I think, yeah, you know, you look at how the costs have been cut, the fact that there is no end in sight for what's going on, uh, it makes it a very unstable environment to, to work in now. And non league football can be uh, volatile at the best of times when you get this sort of times that are happening, this unexpected epidemic. Then, yeah, I think some, some clubs will be at risk. Um, but I would hope that the, the FAs, and I mean the, the national FA and the local FAs, will be doing all they can uh, to support clubs around the region, around the country, because it'd be a shame that uh, any club at any level would go under because of a circumstance that is completely um, outside of their control. You mentioned the area that, that our paper is, obviously, South Shields. Um, there was a lot of lot of issues with the decision-taking you touched upon before. I, I know it's it's opening a, a can of worms, but what do, you, what do you feel would have been the best decision for uh, that league? I don't think there is a best decision. Um, I, I think any decision would draw criticism. Um, the only decision that I think, or the only outcome I would have said is what I said before, that whatever decision was made was uh, was rolled out across the pyramid. So, you know, from Premier League to, to Northern League, Second Division and Northern Alliance and Wearside League, I think if you're going to avoid the season for one, you avoid the season for all of them. I know that's completely unrealistic because you know let's be honest in in the northern premier league and the northern league we don't have multi-billion pound tv contracts to 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 see out we don't have you know all these big sponsor deals but i just feel you know football has been in danger of losing its integrity over the last 20 years anyway and i think something like this has shown it up even more so for the integrity of the game i just feel the same decision should have been rolled out if that is the void which I think would have been my chosen chosen method, then it has to be done right the way from Premier League downwards. That was Mark Carolla, as our non-league uh, correspondent, discussing the impact of the coronavirus on the wider footballing community beyond the Premier League in Newcastle United. That was episode six of Mouth of the Time. You can follow our weekly podcast on Twitter at Mouth of the Time. Pod. <laughs>